How you doing, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day a true proletarian revolution. But until that glorious day comes, I am your host, Josh, and welcome to the show. This is your first time stopping by. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, you know, feel free to reach out. Uh, you can follow me on my social media uh, at Indefensive Liberation on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, you can also email me if you'd like to, you know, uh, begin a dialogue of sorts. Um, it is indefenseofliberation at gmail.com, no caps or spaces. Um, and, uh, you know, if this is you stopping by once again because you enjoyed the show and, uh, you, you'd like to hear more of what I have to say, uh, wow, that is incredible. Uh, and it means a lot. So thank you so much. Um, reach out to me. Uh, Help me learn too. I'm sure that each and every one of you that listens to this has something to teach me, something to teach those around you. So, you know, feel free to reach out. I love talking with folks. I've met quite a few really cool people because of my social media and because of this podcast. So I really hope that uh, if for whatever reason you feel like reaching out, that you will feel comfortable doing so. Um, Love to talk to you about anything. But, so I've recognized in myself um, and having a discussion with a really good friend um, about the kind of repetitiveness of a lot of the discussions I've been having, not only on this podcast, but with my friends. And I've been kind of thinking through that from a few different angles. And I wanted to present on here kind of my conclusions. Um, Because I think a lot of us who are on the left, uh, especially the Marxist left, uh, find ourselves in the same discussions, maybe in the same quote-unquote arguments, And, uh, you know, trying to express a lot of the same ideas time and time again. I don't think this is a bad thing. Um, I think it can become frustrating uh, for those of us who are, um, you know, the ones who are doing the explaining. But I think that we, we definitely undercut ourselves and what we can do by not finding joy in having the opportunity to spread these ideas. Now, I can definitely understand why a lot of us are sick and tired about arguing over this or that take um, on many different things. Uh, And I'm sure a lot of us, especially on the Marxist left, are really, you know, sick and tired of arguing with uh, folks about uh, whether or not the state is uh, can be used as a tool of the masses, um, whether 
uh, communism is or is not, you know, quote unquote authoritarian. Um, a lot of these discussions, of course, are frustrating and, and annoying because they, you know, theoretically and historically have, you know, been decided upon uh, for 100, 150 years. So it's frustrating when we try to have these discussions with people and we find ourselves having to defend the same positions or argue the same points. Um, And I get it. But recently, there was some discourse going around surrounding the fact that a lot of folks like to say, oh, just go read this book. Or, you know, um, if you don't, know about this. It's not my job to educate you. I educated myself. You can go educate yourself. And I think this feeling kind of coincides sometimes with the feelings of frustration and annoyance uh, of having to answer a lot of the same questions and have a lot of the same discussions. But I think if you yourself had to figure out how to educate yourself on these things. That should be your telltale sign that we and the rest of us who are beginning to become radicalized, who are beginning to understand these complex ideas, who are beginning to want to put, you know, this theory into action, um, We have, to, we have to be the people that we needed when we were trying to educate ourselves. You know, there is so much fucking content out there on YouTube, on, uh, you know, podcasting services, on Twitch. There's all kinds of books that are, you know, written by Marx, Engels, Lenin, Stalin, Mao themselves, and plenty of other works today that go over them. Um, There's amazing uh, audiobook sites. There's incredible... um, There's all kinds of sources and, and material out there to not only educate ourselves, but to also use to help educate others. So... What I've started doing personally is whenever I like a podcast or whenever I really enjoy a YouTube video or a YouTube channel, of course, first and foremost, you hit that subscribe button because that's what we're out here to do is to support one another, even if it's something as simple as interacting with someone's channel so that they can continue reaching out to more folks and educating more people. But we can also, if we learn something or, you know, really enjoy some kind of content, what I do, I write it down. Um, I started doing that because in the beginning of the pandemic, I was in this Facebook page, which you can still find, which is called Left Pod Posting. Um, And we, I think it was like five or six of us, uh, but it was really the effort of this really cool comrade that I met on Facebook, my homie Zach, um, who went through and compiled like every single leftist podcast and YouTube channel that we could find. Um, We've done two years 
Uh, well, I shouldn't say we, because unfortunately I have not dedicated the time or effort to help out, but they have done uh, lefty awards, which have given, you know, awards for best uh, leftist podcast channel, best uh, episode, best YouTube channel, etc. And that really fucking helped me. It helped me find a lot of great content. Um, Left pod posting was actually the reason why I found Rev Left Radio. And from there, it's all history for those of us who listen to Brett and especially Brett and Allison on Red Menace. Um, You know what I mean? Like, so what I do is I like to write down the sources and material that I really enjoy. Um, And as, you know, as I'm learning about things, as I'm uh, engaging with new material, I I have a few friends who I uh, discuss these things with on a decent basis. And I always love to bring new stuff up to them. Uh, to present them with new material and stuff like that, because they all seem to really enjoy, uh, you know, learning together and uh, being able to have, uh, you know, an influx of sources that they don't have to sit there and try to dig around and root around themselves. And then the best part is they send me content and stuff to listen to or read or watch. Uh, So one of the most incredible things that has been really, really helpful throughout the pandemic has been the incredible amount of sources that are online. I wanted to bring this up first and foremost to talk about the fact that, you know, content is out there. And if you have struggled or if you yourself had to figure out how to educate yourself Um, without, you know, much content, without much knowledge of all these things out there. Here you go. You know, here's some more sources for you. Check that out. Secondly, to say, uh, stop telling people that it's not your job to educate them because it is. Uh, That's literally what communists do. Our goal is to unite the working class to propagandize, agitate, and organize in order to wage class struggle. You can't wage class struggle if don't nobody know anything about Marx, Engels, or Lenin. You can't wage struggle if folks don't know shit about the Chinese, the Russian, the Cuban, the Nicaraguan, the Venezuelan, the uh, Burkina Faso, all these different struggles that took place for national liberation, for independence, for socialism, right? And who's going to teach them? It's not going to be our education system that didn't teach you or me. Remember, we had to teach ourselves. So if we had to teach ourselves, do we really want to leave other folks down and out? Because all the time, what do we talk about on the left? Oh, the left is so confused. The left is so, you know, incredibly uh, uh, unprincipled. The left is constantly arguing and bickering back and forth. You know what's going to change that? Learning. Learning not only the knowledge, you know, having to do with the theoretical and historical and practical knowledge that has been developed through action uh, all throughout history, but also learning how to interact with one another, learning how to organize, learning how to build relationships and how to build solidarity and how to build comradeship. 
And I also wanted to use this as an outlet and as a segue into a discussion about organizing. Because one thing that I rarely ever find content about is how the fuck to organize. Now, I'm not an expert. We're going to start off this part of the, the show with this. I have very little experience organizing. However, I absolutely love learning about revolutionary history. I don't know if you picked up on that. But because of that, whether you mean to or not, you begin to pick up on a few things that continuously happen time and time again in each history of each and every one of these struggles. So I am going to try to use some of the history that I know to explain some of the easy steps that you and I can be taking to begin engaging in the struggle in our practical and day-to-day lives and actions. So a great documentary just came out, and although, you know, there's, there's much information left to be learned from outside the documentary. So don't let this be your only source of knowledge on the subject. But there was a great documentary that came out called Takeover, which is about the Young Lord's takeover of Lincoln Hospital in uh, South Bronx. Um, So go watch that. Um, If you need the link, hit me up. Um, And again... There's so much knowledge to be learned about the Young Lords. They were an incredibly revolutionary organization of Puerto Ricans in New York City. And also uh, it had, you know, developed chapters all over the country. Um, It was a uh, revolutionary movement that was trying to organize its own community for uh, the benefit of its community. against the odds of capitalism, against the odds of police repression, against the odds of racism. So please, again, do not let this documentary, this 38-minute documentary, be all you ever learn about the Young Lords. Please, please, please learn as much as you can. And this documentary that came out, I just finished watching it this morning, actually, it really lit a fire under my ass where I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Every single organization I learn about, whether it be the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, whether it be the Brown Berets, whether it be the Young Lords, right? All of these different organizations have been founded in very similar ways. So one of the first things that each and every one of these organizations and plenty of others, for example, the... uh, black communists in Alabama during the 30s and 40s, which is written about in books such as Hammer and Ho, Um, the organization of all kinds of prison uh, inmates and uh, ex-cons, the organization of disabled and LGBTQ plus folks, all of these started in a very similar way. But we're going to talk about how each one of them did not take the same essence in what they were organizing for and as to why that is important. 
but before I get ahead of myself. So each one of these organizations, right, one of the first things they did was they started meeting. They started getting together with other people in their community who they knew, who they were friends with, who they worked with, etc. And they started talking about the problems that they were seeing in their own day-to-day lives. So, of course, for example, speaking about the Young Lords, this documentary makes clear that one of the main things that the Young Lords recognized that people in the South Bronx did not have was adequate, adequately available, affordable, and proper health care and health services. So one action that they took, for example, was at one point they stole and kidnapped a tuberculosis uh, testing unit, which was in a van, which had x-ray equipment that the local hospitals did not have. And even if they had, people could not afford to either get to that hospital to get the procedure or if they found anything to get the procedure they needed to heal, right? So they took over one of these TB uh, driving uh, centers or units and they brought it all over South Bronx and they tested thousands of people for TB, right? This was an effort that they had been working on for a long time. The young lords would go around with TB testing kits and, you know, just about test everyone they could. But the issue was, if it came back positive, they couldn't do any x-rays. They didn't have the available equipment. So they went out and got it. And sure, are some people going to say, well, uh, uh, Josh, that's, a, that's an act of violence. And actually, I can't stand by and uh, uh, advocate for that. Cool. I will. I don't give a fuck what you think. Um, This is what they did. And guess what? It helped to begin to mediate the issues and draw attention to the fact that children in South Bronx were dying at a higher tuberculosis rate than anywhere else in the world. Another action that they did surrounding this, of course, is the takeover of Lincoln Hospital. If you'd like to learn more about go read or go watch that documentary. But basically, what did they do? They started meeting and they started seeing a pattern where everywhere they went, everyone they talked to, whether they had a full-time job, three part-time jobs or no jobs, they did not have adequate health care. So they begin to see the needs in their communities by going and discussing people's needs directly with the people who have those needs. It's quite simple, my friends, although it's very scary. Although a lot of us have no experience in doing this, this is where we need to start. We need to start with discussions. We need to start with conversations. How are you going to get folks to pick up batons and, and, and guns and do you know, uh, 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 eviction blockades and things like that if they don't even want to talk to you, huh? So we got to look at the needs in our community. And when we start to recognize what those needs are, we got to start organizing around them. What does organizing around them mean? Well, quite simply, when you see a need such as health care, 
you begin to discuss with people what it is you think can actually be done about it. So a lot of times in communities like South Bronx, a lot of folks in those communities are a little bit more tight-knit. They have more connection to one another than we do uh, oftentimes today. But that, again, as uh, uh, I'd like to point out, that the agent that has the ability to change that is you and me. That's not just going to change because it needs to. The only reason that we start to see community growing and we start to see more people connecting with one another is because you and me take the leading role and start doing it ourselves. I mean, the only way to learn in this sense is to do. And the Young Lords did. And they showed us, just like many other organizations like the Black Panther Party, who saw that, especially in places like Oakland and Chicago, one of the most important needs was first and foremost food for their people, for their communities, for the folks that they were interacting with on a day-to-day basis. They knew that those folks needed to eat because they were talking with them on a day-to-day basis. And they knew that they weren't fucking eating. And one of the other things that is desperately needed, which the Young Lords also discussed in their Patients' Bill of Rights, is the need for adequate daycare in a society which tries to say that women now are going to enter the workforce, they are going to be equal to men, quote-unquote, they are going to have to partake in society just like everyone else. Well, in a society which is patriarchal, in a society which determines that the women are the child uh, bearers, the child caretakers, the child services, etc., etc., well, then, in that case, if women and, and folks who have children have to go into society, have to partake in society, if we want them to have the ability to organize and begin helping themselves and their children as well as their community, then they need adequate daycare. They need the ability to go do what they need to do without having to put their children's lives at risk, whether that be taking them with them or leaving them at home. Um, They need and we need adequate child care and services in our communities because by doing this, this gives each and every one of us who has children the ability and time to go out and agitate and propagandize and learn with one another and begin to have these discussions. Um, Another very, very crucial need that many of these different organizations all saw as a uh, a direct uh, line between uh, the humanity and the inhumanity of the different groups within society is the police violence and the police repression and the state oppression that these groups faced. So, of course, as a lot of us know, the Black Panther Party was started as the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. Uh, Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seal uh, in Oakland, California decided that, listen, we're not going to let these fucking pigs come into our communities, beat up on our, you know, our people, shoot and kill uh, children in the street, um, you know, rip uh, children out the hands of uh, mothers and 
aunts and grandmothers and all these different uh, absolute brutal and abusive measures that are being taken against our community. We're not going to let this happen anymore. Um, Now, some people want to say, okay, uh, this is what got the Black Panthers killed was they picked up the gun. Eh, The Black Panthers were going to get killed, arrested, exiled, or imprisoned, just like every other revolutionary group throughout the world has. Um, They picked up the gun because they had guns pointed at them. Uh, If you don't think that that was the right move, well, shit, were you there? No. Okay, well, maybe if you want, you can take some lessons from the Black Panther Party because guess what? Both they and the guns in their hand have a lot to teach you. Um, So... It starts with conversations, right? It starts with discussing with people. It starts with going to meetings. It starts with hosting study sessions. It starts with having uh, community outreach about health issues. It starts with teaching classes about domestic and sexual assault. It starts with seeing a need and getting together with people who, okay, maybe this person has artistic abilities and they can make flyers or maybe this person is great at teaching they have a degree in English or they were a teacher's aide in a kindergarten so they can get up on the podium or they can get up in in you know the classrooms and they can give uh, a brilliant discussion that nobody will get confused um, or this person over here is a, a child care Uh, provider and therefore why don't you let them be the leader of this daycare that we're going to put together and they will be the ones to help find the facilities and they will be the ones to help train the workers and they will be the ones to you know uh, try to delegate out what kind of supplies needed to be grabbed and then you're going to have individuals who you need to connect with because you need to go get them uh, you need to go get supplies so you need folks who are going to be able to help you go get supplies So all of this combined, right, is seeing a need and meeting a need. So whether it is food insecurity, whether it is drug uh, uh, abuse, whether it is houselessness, right? Look at the landless workers, MST in Brazil, who are literally building small towns, building houses, building proper uh, uh, places for the houseless and jobless communities within Brazil to live in. Look at different organizations that have, um, you know, staged, uh, uh, oh, what would it be called? Uh, building takeovers, right? Look at all the different homeless uh, uh, organizations that have uh, taken over apartment buildings or taken over um, uh, abandoned houses, right? All of this is a step in the right direction. All of this is an attempt at organizing. Um, you really just have to see what's wrong. You have to be involved in the community. You have to be a part of the people themselves, And so I want to say here that we also must understand that we are not some distinctly different group than the proletariat, than the working people. We are the proletariat. Those of us who are trying to organize, those of us who are trying to become a little bit more disciplined, a little bit more militant, a little bit more 
educated in these things, trying to learn about the history, trying to learn about the struggle and be able to implement those uh, uh, lessons into our uh, own organizing, into our own day-to-day life. We are not some special angels. We are not some agents of revolution. We are the working people and we are trying to build up a mass organization within our communities which is able to continuously see different needs and then go about meeting those needs. So of course you got to start with one thing. You can't just, you know, go, okay, so in our community we have no healthcare, we have no jobs, we have no housing, we have no good education, uh, we have no daycare, we have no proper social services, we have no uh, homeless shelters, we have no uh, food pantries, and go, okay, let's figure out how to do all of that. No, eh, good luck. Uh, Unfortunately, just like anything else, uh, that's not how it works. So you start with one need. You start with the need that you can most practically meet. And you start with the need that is most prevalent in the community. So you can start with, you know, going out and doing a community garden or doing a food pantry of sorts where you and a group of people either dedicate your time and energy towards growing food and therein providing it for people, uh, allowing folks to come down to the community garden and grow what they need. And you use it as a jumping off point, right? To discuss food as a human right, not as a privilege. Um, Discussing uh, the necessary knowledge of learning how to grow food and learning how to cultivate a garden, right? Especially during these times where uh, environmental disasters, uh, a break in uh, supply chains, uh, pandemic, right? Uh, food deserts, etc., etc., are all uh, real possibilities that plenty of people deal with uh, every single day. And with the environmental crisis growing, Um, and the uh, continuous destruction of um, uh, plantable and uh, arable soil um, with the destruction of and pollution of uh, clean water sources. Um, One of the most important things that a lot of us can be doing is learning how to grow food, especially in the climate and conditions as they exist today. You know, whether that's learning how to grow indoors, whether that's learning how to grow using, uh, you know, far less water, um, whether that's trying to learn permaculture, right? Rev Left Radio just did a great episode about permaculture. You can go listen to that. You know, another way that you can do it is do clothes donations, right? Um, getting clothing, especially now that it's the fall and the winter, you and a group of your friends can put uh, posts up on Facebook and ask for donations of fall and winter clothing. Ask for them, you know, pre-washed, uh, you know, ask for them presented in plastic baggies because it is still COVID um, and, and go distrib- distribute that, whether you go to a uh, facility where they... Um, do this kind of work and, and you donate the clothes or whether you drive around in your you know city and, and when you see folks on the side of the road you know you offer them a pair of gloves offer them a hat offer them some boots maybe a jacket um, and if you got it five dollars you know it's really that simple 
uh, showing folks that, listen, you're a human fucking being. And because that, you need these things. And it is your right to have these things because guess what? These things exist, right? We got stores and stores. I'm sure each and one of us have closets full of clothes that we haven't worn in in years, right? A lot of us do that where we just collect clothing and we don't really understand how much of a a privilege something like that can be. Um, You can also start with trying to shelter folks, right? Um, Trying to build tenants unions, trying to fight for uh, rent freeze or uh, continuation of the rent moratorium. Um, In my local area, there is a uh, there is a tenant group which is trying to organize around a uh, housing complex that has had uh, multiple code violations, something like twenty over the last decade. Uh, it has refused uh, time and time again and rescheduled its three year uh, check in. The uh, property manager. Uh, went ahead and posted the names of tenants who owed back rent on the walls and windows of the housing complex along with how much they owed. Um, She also has kicked the codes department off the ground. She has kicked the PSL and other groups who have gone and tried to organize the tenants. She's kicked them off and the police have sided with her time and time again. Isn't that funny? But this is why community control is what we are looking for. And this is why organization is far more important and far more successful than just simple mobilization. One of the most important connections that has ever been made for me, and I've pointed this out in a few different episodes on the show, but one of the most important uh, connections I've ever really made has been the fact that... um, the difference between mobilization and organization is a difference that can actually depend uh, and be the determinant between a successful or an unsuccessful uh, movement. Um, Kwame Ture speaks on this extensively in many of his speeches, um, where he says that, for example, um, he says, Martin Luther King was an incredible mobilizer, right? He could get people out there on the streets demanding all kinds of things. Um, But he he says, you know, Martin Luther King wasn't an organizer. And now to some, that that might be pretty controversial of a take. But what Kwame Ture is getting at is he's saying, listen, at the end of the day, riots protests, um, things like that. Those are what get the folks going. That's what gets folks, folks angry. That's what get, gets folks educated and, and you know, get, gets folks involved. But, and, and he uses the example, he's talking in uh, 1995, I forget who he's doing the, uh, what school he's doing the interview at. But he's doing an interview at a university with a large uh, portion of black, brown, and indigenous folks. Um, and uh, he says, you know, imagine someone comes up here and beats up one of the folks. You know what I mean? Imagine uh, 
KKK member comes on here and puts a sign up or a police officer beats up uh, one of the black students here. Uh, you're going to have all kinds of protests. You're going to have all kinds of demonstrations. You're going to have folks out on the street talking to one another in a way that they've never talked to each other before. You're going to have folks having discussions that they've never had before. But as he says, in a week or two weeks, you folks won't even be talking about it. And he's like, especially the folks, uh, you know, who really don't want to be involved in any kind of revolutionary organization, they're just going to really hope that, uh, you know, folks don't ever come back and start anything because then this is all going to happen again. And, uh, you know, we, we don't, we don't want to cause any problems here. We don't want to have any kind of uh, change enacted and, and we don't want to fight for anything because, you know, we don't, we don't want to cause any trouble. Um, and he says the difference between mobilization and organization is that an organization doesn't just fizzle out. For example, do you think the Chicago Black Panther Party would have been capable of feeding the hundreds of children that it fed on a day-to-day -day basis, if not for organization? You think just by putting up posters and doing protests about the fact that there wasn't enough food in their community and then just doing nothing else, that those children, that those people would have been fed? No. They needed to get people organized. They needed to get people to go and, you know, take over buildings. They needed to go and get people who knew how to cook and get them in the kitchen. They needed to go get folks who, uh, you know, could speak to people about this and be like, listen, you know, if you want to bring your kids down here, there's going to be food. There's going to be anything you need. So don't, you know, feel free to come get it. Uh, they needed folks who were willing to do that. And again, they actually needed the food itself. So they needed to figure out where, where to get that shit. And they needed people to get that shit. Angela Davis and Elaine Brown and other members of the Black Panther Party one time got food by just nabbing that shit from the UCLA cafeteria. And again, you might not agree with the ethics of that. I don't really fucking care. They fed people. That's the difference is we're not here to discuss the ethics and the morality of these things. We're here to feed people. So you, you got to get talking about things like, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the lack of certain things in your community. You got to get organized around the fact that, you know, maybe you don't have a proper hospital or there's no daycare services in your local community, right? That That's just the first place to start. So once you start discussing all these things, and, uh, you know, you have maybe, because the, the Young Lords, the Brown Berets, the Black Panthers did all kinds of demonstrations. They did all kinds of protests. Uh, they went and stood and gave uh, speeches and made demands outside of the uh, governor's office, outside of City Hall. Um, they did all kinds of incredible work of trying to draw people out into the streets to demand change. Um, and, and this is one of the ways that they were able to begin to mobilize the people. But the difference between mobilization for mobilization's sake and mobilization as a part of a process of an overall project 
of an overall organization is incredibly crucial to distinguish. Distinguish. Um, <clears throat> so it is uh, the most important thing that we ought to focus on is that by building these things up, we're trying to organize the community. We're trying to get people in contact with one another. We're trying to get people every single day going and posting flyers or going and talking to the, uh, you know, maybe nursing students about coming down and, and giving an hour of their time for a health clinic. That's another thing that the Black Panthers did was they would just go to the local schools and ask if any of the residents would please come down and uh, offer their services for um, uh, the medical clinics that they would have. Um, so, of course, here, the, the point that I'm trying to make is the fact that if we are to accomplish these goals, it has to be a very disciplined and organized effort that has the materials, the people, the know-how, and the, in this way, what, what I would like to stress is the proper philosophy as well. And now, a lot of us don't really dig the whole philosophy deal. Um, one of the things that I run into time and time again is folks just saying like, okay, yeah, theory's useful, but it's, you know, philosophy is only as useful as, as it need be in the moment. But when you're doing things, right, when you're taking actions on a day-to-day -day basis, whether you know it or not, you are acting on your own philosophy. Every single day when you go out and uh, maybe turn your nose up at houseless people or uh, skip to the other side of the road when a tall black man starts walking your way, you're acting on a philosophy, your philosophy. And that philosophy is formed by the values, morals, ethics, and uh, beliefs that you take about the world that you live in. However, if you want to change the world that we live in, we have to have a different philosophy. We have to have a philosophy that is centered in revolutionary change. We can't just hope that revolutionary change will come out of any philosophy that we take. Because if our philosophy is that people have human rights and that we have to fight for people's human rights, well, who's gonna fight for them? And who's gonna you know, take those rights and act upon them? Because we've fought time and time again in countries all over the world. Human beings have fought for human rights and they have been guaranteed human rights by the UN Charter, by their own constitutions. But guess what happens every single day? Those human rights are violated. So our, our philosophy cannot be a liberal one. Our philosophy cannot be an idealistic one. Our philosophy must be a materialist one, one based in revolutionary change and one based on Marxism because Marxism has been the tool which revolutionaries which have been successful in not only just implementing minor reforms and changes that have helped people for a given time, helped a select group of people for a given time, and helped a select group of people for a given time until the individuals who had fought for those gains were either imprisoned, exiled, or killed. 
um, the difference between that and having a very society based on egalitarianism, based on the needs of all being met, because it is a direct possibility and the direct necessity of our society as it exists today, thanks to the historical development of uh, capitalism and of the mode of production and the class struggle. Whether it's Lenin, whether it's Marx, whether it's Mao, whether it's Kwame Nkrumah, whether it's Thomas Sankara, whether it's Fidel Castro, whether it is uh, the Communist Party of India Maoist, whether it's the uh, Filipino Communist Party, whether it is the uh, Greek Communist Party, whether it is the uh, British or French Communist Party, if they are not uh, centered on a materialist and Marxist philosophy, which engages in a deep study of history, a deep study of sociology, a deep study of dialectical materialism, a deep study of the revolutionary movements all over the world, then at the end of the day, it will make mistakes. It will do things that have already been proven incorrect. It will take actions that will put people in danger unnecessarily. Because sure, did taking over the Lincoln Hospital, did uh, getting in a shootout with the, the cops in Chicago, did all of those things hurt and uh, put the Young Lords and the Black Panthers in danger? Sure, but it advanced the class struggle. It brought people's attention to the fact that when brown people for years, you got to get this, the Young Lords for years were saying Lincoln Hospital doesn't have, and they called it the butcher shop, right? They've been saying for years, this facility needs improvements. It needs resources. It needs doctors. It needs all of these things. And yet nothing is done. So eventually they say, all right, listen, motherfuckers, we're going to take over this hospital and we're going to make some fucking demands. Either you're going to build us a brand new fucking hospital, which you are going to staff, which you are going to fill with the resources that it needs. And you are going to give directly over to the community. And this is the important part I want to finish off on. Uh, if you do not give the hospital over to the direct community for the control of that hospital, then we will continue taking actions in this way against the state. What happens when brown people say, listen, you haven't listened to us for years. Now we're going to take over this hospital, right? They try to kill them. The mayor did not say, all right, listen, guys, we get it. You've made your point. Um, okay, listen, what we're going we're gonna to get you a new hospital because it's obvious that there's an incredible tuberculosis epidemic here in the South Bronx. Um, it's very clear that the resources for dealing with, uh, you know, communities which have uh, poor nutritional uh, foods available, um, the uh, needs of a community which oftentimes does not get to go to the doctor for any of its uh, conditions and therefore they intensify and worsen in a community which does not have education on things like, uh, uh, you know, sex, 
on things like um, uh, communicable diseases, right? It, if we don't have the facilities for these people, then then they're going to die. That, and then he didn't go, okay, we're, we're going to get you the, that because you obviously need it. No, as far as I know, I believe the mayor's assistant actually said directly to members of the Young Lords that, listen, this isn't going to end with you guys getting a hospital today. Basically making the threat that if you continue this, it might end with you folks in body bags. And the, uh, the documentary actually made a point to say that the Young Lords were well aware of what the Chicago Police Department had done to Fred Hampton, uh, Bobby Hutton, and the remainder of the Black Panthers who survived those actions, uh, they were well aware of what the feds and what the state had done to uh, brutally repress and go after uh, the uh, Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seale. Uh, and, and they knew what had happened to uh, folks <clears throat> in their own city, in their own communities, who have you know, time and time again stood up to police or demanded change. They knew what happened. The politicians acknowledged them for a few weeks, a few months, maybe even a few years. And then as soon as it, quote unquote, wasn't in the budget, it's over. It's, it's game over. And, and now you just lost your opportunity at a new hospital because, oh, sorry, guys, it's not in the budget. It's never going to be in the budget. And that's why we need community control. Because we don't need some rich philanthropist. We don't need these capitalists or these bourgeois assholes to keep running hospitals, to keep producing food, to keep making technological advances for profits. We need technology. We need housing. We need food. We need medical care. We need education. We need self-defense, not for profit, but for the people. Because get this. Everybody needs to eat. You ready for this one? People need shelter. Boom. Let's transition over here. Guess what? Everybody needs healthcare services. We have all this shit. It exists. Go into a hospital and see all the incredible technology that is sitting in the hall because nobody can afford to use it. Go into a grocery store and look at all the food that is about to expire that they're going to throw away because... Nobody could afford to buy it. Look at all the houses that sit empty, that go condemned, that are boarded up, that fall down, that are destroyed for, you know, parking lots or shopping centers. Does it seem like this system at any point in its existence has any interest or ability to provide the things for the people themselves? No. So we need a new system. But we know that the people who are in charge now, the people who have been in charge, and the people who will be put in charge if we keep this system that exists for profits in power, in power, we know who they are going to keep putting into positions of control. So then our only answer is this. We, the people who actually do not have health services, who cannot afford housing, who do not have jobs, who haven't been able to go to the doctors in years, right? 
we need to come together. We need to organize. We need to build clinics. We need to start popular education classes. We need to have uh, social discussions with members of our community about things that they need. We need to be building political power because at the end of the day, our goal cannot be accomplished if the masses themselves are not in control. And at the end of the day, even if we have community control in the South Bronx or in Oakland or in Chicago, the state has international power and they will kill you. They will kill children. They bombed Vietnam. They bombed Laos, they bombed Cambodia, they bombed Korea, they bombed Syria, they bombed Iran, they bombed Afghanistan, they bombed Somalia, they bombed all of these countries, even just for saying we want to nationalize our oil revenues, even when a far-right fucking militarist like Saddam Hussein says, I am going to nationalize our oil reserves even though I'm literally a fucking former CIA asset, they go, cool. And they fucking murder him and kill millions of children, millions of people, millions of innocent working class folks in the meantime. So we know how this goes. We know how this will end. And we know what it is like in a system such as this, where the ruling class remains in power, where the ruling class is in control of the media and the education, where the ruling class has healthcare, foodstuffs, medicines, vaccines, all of these things, housing, clothing, produced for one purpose, profit. And if you can't afford it, if you can't make them a profit, they will burn it. They'll throw it out. They'll put it in a landfill. They'll try to put it under the ocean. They'll try to explode it, right? They will do anything except for provide for the people what the people need. Why? Because it directly goes against the very natural and material basis of capitalist production itself. Therefore, this system, which the Young Lords knew was wrong, which the Black Panthers knew was wrong, which the Black communists in Alabama knew was wrong, which uh, the Chicanos and the Brown Berets knew was wrong, which the indigenous folks in AIM and in other organizations like the Red Nation today know was wrong. That system, capitalism, which we all and many revolutionaries before us have proven is incapable in direct contradiction with the needs of the people. If we know this, then the only thing that we need to do is organize ourselves and mobilize the masses to join along with our struggle, to join in our organizations, to join in our fight for socialism, for pure people's power, for community control of every community, not just autonomous zones, not just small communities in small towns where all the white folks can decide what they're going to pull their taxes for, and maybe they have a nice library, or in Denmark and the other places across the world where they have a quote-unquote welfare state. None of that shit is enough. Social democracy is not enough. Trade unionism is not enough. It is all a step in the right direction, 
But if we actually want to change and solve the issues that people are facing, then there is only one correct answer. It has been proven time and time historically to be the correct answer. And that answer is socialism. So the Young Lords, the Black Panthers, the Brown Berets, and plenty of other people internationally have shown us, listen, you got to see the needs in your community. You got to get off your ass and you got to try to meet them. You got to talk to people. You got to tell people what it is that they're facing. You got to educate folks about capitalism. You got to show them that the state is evident in the police, in the courts, in the education system, in the politics, in the socialization, in the lack of jobs, in the healthcare field. The ruling class has control and domination over all of those. And the reason why they are actually not being implemented to help the people themselves is because they're not meant to. And they are incapable of doing so under a capitalist bourgeois system. We have to educate the folks. Then we have to say, listen, okay, you're educated, you're angry, you're going out on the streets, right? You might be showing up to some clinics and helping out. You might be helping out with the daycare. You might be making the food. You might be handing out clothes and trying to build shelter for houseless people. But guess what? All of this needs to be combined. We all need to be fighting under the same banner. We all need to be organizing and working towards the same goal, which is socialism, which is each of us, the people, the oppressed and working class themselves, being in control of the resources, the land, the politics, the socialization, the education, the media, uh, uh, the, uh, to some extent, I mean, I'm, I'm iffy on this, but the police force and the military, right? All of that needs to be in direct control and under direct control repression by the working and oppressed peoples themselves. Because right now we have the oppression of the many by the few. And that is leading towards a continued and perpetual system of oppression. But if we want to change that, we have to flip it on its head and we have to push down the ruling class and push down against capitalism and push down and suppress anything, any counter-revolution, any counter-actions that will try to bring back the society as it has existed or as it exists today as we are fighting on our way towards socialism and towards communism. If you are still listening to this, thank you very much. I would like to say that the only way that this is successful is through a revolutionary party. The only way that this is successful is through a communist party. And the only way that a communist slash revolutionary party is able to be built is by starting first, going into your communities, organizing, meeting needs, discussing needs with people, educating, building uh, avenues for self-defense. And I would like to finish off by saying all of this, of course, needs to be based on pure egalitarianism, which means we need to be fighting for racial equality. We need to be fighting for women's rights. We need to be fighting for trans folks that be considered human fucking beings in our society. All of that needs to be central in our organization. We need to be fighting anti-imperialist struggles. We need to be fighting for an end to nuclear proliferation. We need to be fighting for a militant and revolutionary climate justice fight. We cannot forget a single struggle, but all of it has to be united under the goal of socialism. Not because I said so, but because if this is incapable of meeting and and getting to that level, uh, we will not be able to solve the issues that the world 
proletariat is facing today. The only way that we can do that is a militant and disciplined and organized fight for socialism. Long live the people's struggle. Stay revolutionary, folks, and we'll see you next time. Bye.